I'm Chris May. I'm an optometrist in North Mississippi, and uh, we're going to discuss managing the different MIGS patients. My name is Justin Schweitzer. I'm an optometrist at Vance Thompson Vision in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, it's a tertiary care center, ODMD practice, and really excited to be here with uh, Chris and Jill. Thanks, Justin. Uh, Jill Autry, I'm in Houston, Texas. I'm an optometrist in an ODMD practice there as well. And we're a referral center, so we take care of optometric patients, their secondary and tertiary care, surgical needs. Well, great. So I started my career as a center director and mm. uh, then moved into private practice because your job's really hard. <laughs> and so, uh, it, uh, it is interesting, though, in the way that we talk to patients and prepare patients in a tertiary care setting versus in a primary care sure. setting. So. What do you think is a little bit more unique as we're trying to identify our MIGS patients uh, when we're going to combine that with cataract surgery? You know, we're talking about doing more than one thing at one time. Is that overwhelming for patients? What can we do to make sure that we're setting up for success and good expectations for patients? I mean, I look at it, if it's a patient that is on a medication, they have glaucoma, they, in my mind, are a mixed candidate. Right. Does that sure. mean we're gonna do it every time? No, but mm -hmm. the majority of the time we will, and so then I have a conversation about the procedures that we wanna utilize, mm -hmm. and then I have a discussion on what expectations should be afterwards, and it's really based on the level of glaucoma for me, mm -hmm. and what I mean by that is if they have mild glaucoma, quite often I feel confident that we can probably get a patient off of one of their medications, but if they're more of a moderate to severe glaucoma mm -hmm. patient, I'm usually very cautious in saying, hey, we're going to get you off medications. The MIGS procedure may be just a combination or additional IOP lowering along with the medications that you're on. So that's kind of how educators set them up mm -hmm. for success. Well, luckily, the optometric community, primary care, they've already, you know, starting to do this now when they send in a cataract patient with glaucoma. They'll say there's some things they can do. You know, at first we were talking stents, and now we have a lot of other options. But I think the patient already has heard that by the time now they get to us, um, if they have glaucoma and cataract, uh, they already know that they have options. So now we can just kind of say, sometimes I'll say, again, I don't want to promise off of drops because I've seen different, even different eyes do different things with different mixed procedures, but also, you know, that, you know, it'll help the drops work better. Uh, so we might not need to add drops more in the future. Uh, that gives them the patient, you know, the ability to go, oh, this is a good thing for me. I'm in there. We're going to be in there anyway. Right now, right where the area is for controlling the pressure. So at that point, you know, we can put in a stent. We can open up um, the area where the drainage is. We can help the drain work better. Uh, those are all things that we can do while we're already in there doing cataract surgery. So I think that um, it, it makes it seem less um, uh, aggressive uh, if the patient, you know, feels that it's something that we can kind of add on to what we're already doing. I think it's interesting. It's a little bit easier in our mind mm -hmm. uh, if the patient's already heading into the OR. Mm -hmm. it, it's like, look, we're going to the OR anyway. OR anyway. Right. Let's go ahead and do this. There's cost reasons and, and, of course, our reasons from a success standpoint. But it's interesting that it matters to the patient a little bit. But there's, on a balance, that a lot of those patients that are combo haven't encountered modern ocular microsurgery yet, right? I mean, it's like that first eye cataract patient that's nervous, they've got, you know, the whole family with them, they're worried that something's gonna happen. The second eye, they, you know, cruise in, they're, you know, they've already got plans for the weekend, right. and they, so it is, it is a little interesting to see that. I think that creates a little different in the way that we educate a standalone patient. Because when we're looking at standalone patients, and again, in a primary care standpoint, it's interesting because I have more pseudophagic glaucoma than glaucoma mm -hmm. patients with cataracts. So it's been freeing to be able to have MIGS options that I can use here and discuss with those patients. But it is it, one of the things I've found interesting is that those patients 
understand what the process is going to be like a little bit more. And then one thing I was kind of surprised at is we've having conversations with them. A long-term glaucoma patient that's been treated for a long time is very excited about new treatment options. So in some cases, I brought this up as a, especially a few years ago, we're looking at it as a, well, hey, we're starting to near surgical intervention and having to do something. And instead, now they're going, wait, there's, there's an option? Because they, they know what their cataract surgery was like and they're, they're kind of interested in it. Are there any other considerations when you're looking at doing a standalone compared to what we would do when we're doing combo for you? Yeah, so I think in those cases, it depends on, you know, um, what type of procedure we have as an option for, for standalone. Uh, it doesn't always include what we would do for a cataract surgery combination. And again, that patient, you know, what is their severity of their disease? You know, are we able to control them on drops, but it's multiple drops? Or do we have them on multiple drops and they're uncontrolled? I mean, those cases become options uh, that are different than what we would think of uh, as a combined procedure. Because we know, too, with cataract surgery, just taking a cataract out, will help lower the pressure in some patients as well. So we're already a little bit of ahead of the game there. So we don't really always have those uh, same options when someone's already had cataract surgery or has a, a lens in place. Excellent point. Yeah, and I think another um, consideration with standalone mm -hmm. is your patients that may not be progressing, mm -hmm. but are having quality of life issues. Right. Mm -hmm. So sure. that's a standalone yeah. area as well. Mm -hmm. Maybe a patient that you know can't take the medication, doesn't mm -hmm. do well with it, or is suffering from ocular surface disease or issues and they're not progressing, but they're not living their best life because mm -hmm. of the fact that they're struggling with those types of quality of life issues. And I think the optometrists in the community uh, really got on board with that with the SLT. And I think really it's just another option over and above SLT and in many cases works better for a particular patient um, with really uh, minimal risk as well. So I think I, it's just that education of what is an option for a patient after drops or in addition to drops or maybe make the drops you are using work better um, without having to go to what we all have always been thought and educated as you know, big glaucoma surgery because that really does not only concern the patient but in general concerns you know the doctor as well. Certainly. How do you manage those expectations? I think it's been positive for patients that SLT has been a stair-stepped into mm -hmm. our minimally invasive surgeries. It, it's been nice so that they, I think some patients understand that but how do you manage their expectations of what they're going to go through and what's going to happen afterwards because honestly most patients don't come in and say oh I feel like my pressure's a whole lot lower thanks. <laughs> So I actually look at, at some of the data. You know, our center did a study uh, about seven years ago or so looking at patients that were undergoing cataract surgery with a stent in this particular situation. And these patients, if they had a higher baseline pressure, patients that had pressures of 24 or above, got nearly a 12 millimeter of mercury drop in their ILP. And that could have been a combination of, to your point, cataract surgery plus mm -hmm. the procedure. Yeah the patients with the lower baseline pressures didn't get as much. And so I use that all the time. I say, just because you have lower pressure, we may not get as big of a bump. Doesn't mean it's not useful. Patients that have a higher pressure, I'm more confident I'm gonna get a bigger bump. And so I talk to them about that. Don't guarantee anything, don't promise anything, but using that data has been really helpful clinically to talk to patients about what expectations are from an IOP standpoint. I completely agree. It's been having a lot more data. You know, when MIGS was in its infancy, it was tough to go, we're gonna do something when we're in there and hopefully it does some good. 
and not really having hard numbers to go to. It has been nice to be able to have data that we can stand on and go, look, you know, 70% of patients are shown to be able to have decreased medicines in this in your situation, and it's very specific treatment to that patient. I think that really helps them understand as they're weighing risk benefit and as we're having the discussion with and them. And even if it's not head-to-head -head data, it's still, you know, whatever drop we get in these patients, whatever drop, and you can kind of put them on a chart and go for patients who are on this many drops or have this baseline pressure, here's kind of what we can expect. And not only now, it was in the first, you know, you'd have a year or two. Now we've got data that's really starting to spread out to look at that over years worth of, you know, really how long does the patient stay controlled as well and not just what we can see immediately post-op. There was just, yeah, a recent study too that came out on some standalone procedures, you know, a study called the Romeo study that looked at two different baseline pressures mm -hmm. in a standalone procedure, a higher baseline pressure group, a lower baseline pressure group, and it's what we'd expect, the higher pressure group got more of a bump, the lower less, but the interesting thing is in both groups, patients got off medications. So it decreased the medication burden whether you had a high baseline pressure or you had a low baseline pressure. And I think from our standpoint, clinically, we see that as a positive because it's less surface impact, it's more better compliance, it's better management of disease. But what do you do if you have a patient that says, no, I'm good, I, I'm, I like these drops, I'm doing fine on my drops? Well, certainly, you never want to lose a rapport with a patient, you know, by, you know, recommending something they just are going to say no to. But I think it's, you know, maybe, you know, I will sometimes write, discuss MIGS or discuss SLT or discuss other options, and then I know that I've talked about it, so the next time might hit it again, especially if, again, we're still continuing to struggle. You know, Mrs. Jones, you know, let's look at your field again from two years ago. Let's look at it today. You know, this is something that, you know, we're still con having, you know, problems with, and we've already got you on drops. So adding another drop, I mean, uh, how good are you using the drops you, you are now? Are you very compliant? Are you religious about using your drops? And you get this, you know, look. And so um, I think just setting that seed, um, maybe not going to it first time, um, unless, of course, you've got an out-of-control situation that's more emergent. But I think in this case, it's planting that seed and kind of talking about it and then letting it uh, um, simmer, if you will. So what would you say to fellow optometrists that believe that MIGS or surgical glaucoma intervention in general is, is kind of a last resort for our glaucoma patients? It's a great question. It's not. And there's a lot of reasons mm -hmm. why it's not. When we think of glaucoma, it's a marathon and we have to have multiple treatment options in our bags and that's going to be SLT, that's mm -hmm. going to be medications. And MIGS falls in there and I really go back again to talking about clinical trial data and studies. Mm -hmm. When you look at it, if you look at the original studies back in 2012 when MIGS first came onto the market, the conclusions of those studies were that minimally invasive glaucoma surgery is as safe as cataract surgery alone. And so when we think of cataract surgery, how routine and safe that mm -hmm. procedure is, whether it's a combination of MIGS with cataract surgery or a standalone MIGS procedure, the safety profile is just so much better than filtering procedures, whether that be tubes or traps. And so, yes, it's still surgery, but it's definitely a middle ground procedure. It's a procedure that can be right after SLT and meds mm -hmm. and way before a patient ever gets to the point of needing a tube shunt or a trabeculectomy. Maybe yeah, more that we, next step. Yeah, and we can tie it in too to other types of you know procedures or medicines that we use. You know, did everybody start an immunomodulator years ago or did they just start artificial tears? You know, and now everybody's like, oh yeah, certainly. I sometimes have to add a steroid. Sometimes I have to add an immunomodulator. I can't just control it on artificial tears. Um, so I think uh, we've, we're kind of learning, hey, this is another option and it's a safe option and you don't want to wait to the point where the options are not as safe. 
um, which is what we've, you know, had in the past. And so, you know, putting that in between there and that shift of, you know, where you would normally go to um, is just an education process, really. I think that education process, too, we, we have to change. I've spent 20 years telling my patients that use your drops or we're going to have to do surgery and you don't want to do glaucoma surgery. It's, it's tough well, because, because we, we were talking we about filtration surgery. surgery. Yeah, and so sure. now it's, it's a little different and we have to change the way that we do plant those seeds of treatment and going, you know, we've got more options than we had. We'll continue to evaluate, but things are getting worse. I think that education process is key. And why not start it off when you first initially diagnosed glaucoma, really? Why can't you say, you know, we're going to start with a drop because this is a once a day drop. It's, you know, in, you know, easier to use than multiple drops a day, you know, and so we'll get you to see how that works. But, you know, to let you know, there are other things. There's, there's lasers, there's other procedures that we can do to help control your pressure rather than just drops, you know, if we need to in the future. And that just kind of sets that seed in a very, you know, um, non-confrontational, you know, discussion that uh, they can remember that as time goes by. Yeah, completely. I've, I've become definitely anti-multi-drop. And so as we kind of start that discussion uh, with the patient, I think letting them know, hey, we've got a lot of other options helps them think about it. But also, you know, we can kind of tell them what to expect postoperatively a little more mm -hmm. predictably now with minimally invasive procedures compared to more significant filtration procedures. I know from our standpoint, the process is actually very similar to cataract surgery, but how do you manage patients postoperatively? What do you tell them to expect? What are you doing for most of your MIGs postoperatively? So there's some considerations that are slightly different than post-op cataract. I think of really, you know, four or five things. I tell patients, number one, we're going to have to decide what to do with your medications afterwards, mm -hmm. and that's fluid throughout right. the process. There'll be times we may stop it. Mm -hmm. There may be times we have to put you back on it mm -hmm. because the first three months can be a little bit up and down with your intraocular pressure, and you mm -hmm. may never get off of right. it. We have to manage IOP spikes. Mm -hmm. We have to manage with cataract surgery IOP spikes. We anyway. need to manage it after mm -hmm. MIGS procedures as well. How do we do that? Well, there's a variety of ways. You can do it with you know, topical glaucoma medications, maybe oral agents, mm -hmm. or even anterior chamber decompression if you're comfortable oh, no. burping mm -hmm. the wound. Yeah, sure, sure. Hyphema, you have to talk about right. it. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. every procedure, you, get a, you, you very likely will get some sort of hyphema, mm -hmm. not maybe advanced, maybe a very mild one. Mm -hmm. But if you don't tell the patient they have a cloudy, blurry day, mm. the day after the procedure, they're going to be bummed about it. And then finally, I think about, you got to do gonioscopy, mm -hmm. you know, preoperatively, but you also should do it postoperatively yeah. as well to make sure that the procedure is functioning, whether mm -hmm. it be a stent, right. whether it be a goniotomy, whatever procedure it may be, we need to make sure that they're functional. Are there other considerations? I mean, preoperatively, mm -hmm. clearly, as long as we can visualize the angle, particularly right. in, in a uh, if we're combining with cataract surgery, we know that we're going to open that up a little bit more right. as we're working. But as long as we can see, we're probably a pretty good candidate preoperatively. Uh, other situations when you're trying to decide which one of these directions and prepare the patient, because it is, to your point, a little unpredictable. Depending on how we're doing things, this, the titration may be a little bit more aggressive for a more advanced patient. And how do we prepare a patient for that and make sure that we're ready for whatever post-op we may encounter ahead of time? Yeah, I think uh, to, to just really set the stage is, you know, we're going to do a combined procedure here, you know, and so in general, cataract surgery is, you know, very easy, good post-op, you don't have to worry a lot about it, And but in this case, we're going to combine it, and so, you know, we may have a little bleeding, we may have a little pressure going up and down, uh, we may need to put you on a little bit more drops, so steroid drops may need to come in a little bit more aggressively than what we may have done, uh, but so we'll just play with it, we're going to watch you maybe a little bit more than we would someone who's just having cataract surgery, but the good news 
news is that this is a very safe procedure, um, and we're already in the eye, you know, so it's a good time to go ahead and try to take care of some of your glaucoma issues as well. Um, and we'll just, uh, we'll just hold you a little, you know, tight for a little while. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great point to be able to, on a combo, kind of let them know we're going in once mm -hmm. and going to do as much as we can, the two birds with one stone kind of moment and being able to hit all of our points of resistance. For our standalones, I think mm -hmm. that they at least have some encounter with surgery and they kind of know a little bit more of what to expect, but it is educating them a little bit that this is not going to be, hey, day one, we're not going to just magically make all your drops disappear. Mm -hmm. But I think that can be a reassurance point too, right? So it's like, look, here's your your primary care doctor, your, your secondary and, and our surgeon and the, this entire team, we're here to make sure that you have a great outcome. Mm -hmm. and, and we've done this before and this is not as invasive as what we used to have to do. So the, the rules have changed. It's gotten a lot better and a lot easier for lack of a better way to put it. And we know that we can do a better job sooner. So I think it's, that's a reassuring point to a patient. I think our issue has been really is on the um, post-op uh, with doctors who are used to doing just cataract surgery post-op to let them know kind of here's what you may see. Mm -hmm. Here maybe some of the things you'll have to do a little differently. You may have to give us a call if something's a little off, um, you know, than what you would normally expect. Uh, it's just a little bit of education in those because so many of our doctors in the community do all the post-ops for their surgery. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just made you know that education that it may look a little different but in two or three or four weeks it's going to end up looking the same.